Hi, I'm Kira. And I'm Aviva. Today, we're taking the gold road to Greece to interview Maria Christodoulou, a Greek herbalist and educator, and Marcy Mayer, the founder of Oakmeal, an agroforestry initiative currently based on the island of Kea in Greece. So, find a sunny patch of couch to sit on, close your eyes, imagine being surrounded by a dense oak forest next to the teal Aegean Sea. Join us to learn more about the superfood from ordinary oak trees, herbs that the Greek gods used, and how the simplest remedies can have the most profound effects. leads us in if you're ready to start that leads us into our first question for you Marcy if you're ready to go sure, sure. so I guess just a little bit is your brief bio and story kind of who you are where you are in the world right now and why you're there even though maybe not at the guest house but it, usually where you are sure <laughs> so well I've been living in Greece since 1984 um, I was born in 63 in Northern California and I went to UC Berkeley, and um, then I came here really, really young um, as a as a student still, and I was on vacation, holiday, and I liked it so much I never went back. Um, and I lived in Athens for about well, nearly two decades, and then I moved over to Kea in two thousand four okay. with my eight year old daughter okay. as a single mom, and. Um, and it was from that time that I that I got involved in agroforestry and forest conservation mm-hmm. and and the needs of farmers and local producers. I, I hadn't been aware of any of that until I moved to Kea. Oh wow! But it's a very small community. It's only about two thousand um, people, full time residents. Mm-hmm. So and I was living the first um, the first seven years I was on the island, I was living in a little stone cottage in the middle of the oak forest. And so, wow. um, yeah, I, I got really involved in with it. That's incredible. Is there, I'm sure you had some awareness. I had read that you worked in restaurants before you had moved to Kea. Was there any kind of, here there's such, it's very unvogue to be like farm to table, know who your suppliers are. Was that your experience yeah. of it on the restaurant end of it when you were in the city? Yeah, sure. I, I um, opened the first uh, restaurant in the city in Athens, in the center, in 1989. Wow. And it was Mex- California, so Mexican. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I've always been somehow involved with food, and especially baking, even more than cooking. Okay. Um, I, I don't know. It's, yeah, I guess farm to table now, it's, it's such a... It's a commonly understood concept, but yeah, at the time it wasn't even a, it wasn't even a thing. Totally. And I wonder, yeah, when I'm, I've gone to Greece a couple of times and I completely understand just getting caught up and staying there. So your story was so compelling to me, but yeah, it's, uh, I mean, I never regret the decision and I became a Greek citizen as well. Congratulations. I don't Greek blood. That's incredible. It's <laughs> amazing. Yeah. And but now, no, I never regret the decision to live here. I absolutely love Greece. 
That's Me amazing. too. <laughs> it's good to hear. Well, so maybe we can have Maria talk a little bit now about who you are and what your mission is. And I know that you've been in Herbalist for a long time, but kind of it seems like only recently you've turned back to some of your roots in terms of identifying as a Greek herbalist. So could you tell us about that? Yes. So I um, launched the Greek herbalist last summer and um, my parents were both born in Greece and they came to the, to New York uh, in the seventies. So I'm a first generation Greek and I still have relatives and family in Greece and I have always been interested in ancient history. I was a classics major in college. I learned how to read ancient Greek and Latin. Wow. Uh, and I don't remember much anymore, <laughs> but uh, there was definitely uh, a strong interest in ancient Greek culture and history. And when I finished um, herbal school in New York City a couple years ago, I just kept thinking like, okay, what are my interests and where do I want to go from here? Where do I want to focus my herbal um, uh, studies on? Um, how do I want to be an herbalist? So I had a light bulb moment and I was like, this is perfect. I'm combining my studies in college and my, just my interests and my ancestry with my interest as an herbalist. And from there, I just kind of had a head start running. Um, I have been writing courses uh, for the Herbal Academy. Mm -hmm. I have been writing a lot of articles. I have some upcoming projects I'm excited about. And when I heard about the oak trees, uh, the oak tree project, I was like, that's so cool because oak trees uh, were very sacred in ancient Greece. They um, were associated with the god Zeus. And um, even today, we know um, oak trees are still a symbol today of strength, and um, as they were back then. So I could talk about it a little bit later, mm -hmm. um, just some uh, juicy bits <laughs> for later in the conversation. But uh, yeah, so that's that's where I am now. Um, that's great. Thank you. Yeah. And that just kind of brings me something you said uh, about oaks being a symbol of strength. Um, it reminded me a little bit about something that I saw Marcy say in uh, her TED talk about how there was, there's kind of a stigma when you were first starting um, trying to save the oaks and create this whole project. There was a bit of a stigma with older Greek people who didn't want to use this free, strong, ancient food. Um, could you talk a little bit about that barrier that you had to encounter and overcome to get people like interested in this traditional crop again? Well, um, <laughs> first of all, there are two different parts of what I do. One of the things is um, is exporting the acorn caps. Mm. And then the other thing is using the acorns for flour, for food, and for cosmetics. Um, the local community got very involved with the cap um, exportation because that was directly... Uh, that was directly for them. I mean, I just happened to be lucky enough to be in contact with people that were interested in this material. Mm -hmm. And um, the older generation definitely were the driving force, are the driving force behind that project, the acorn cap collection and exportation. I'm not sure 
how much um, traction that will have going forward with the younger generation, mm -hmm. honestly, yeah. because I'm seeing that now that the economic crisis is over, uh, there is less and less inclination by people on care to collect acorn cats. That's interesting. That's the honest truth. Mm -hmm. And that's been a kind of a hard thing to come to terms with, but it is what it is. The thing is, my project, I think one of the, I think one of the most important things that has occurred so far is kind of an attitude shift towards the trees mm -hmm. and an understanding that they really are quite special. Mm -hmm. I think all the attention that the trees have gotten via myself and others um, on care has really been um, just almost new information for the, some of the local people. Um, they were lucky enough to grow up with these trees and you know, generations and generations of people have lived under these trees. And I, it's hard sometimes to realize when you've had something in your life, your whole life, just how unique, rare, and, and special it is. Mm -hmm. And so I think, because um, I was put a quite a bit, a bit of thought of that into that today, um, how the, the project has, has been, it's, and like all projects, it's evolved mm -hmm. as it continues. And um, I think the awareness of the, of the forest and, and the fact that you can eat acorns so far is the, uh, the most enduring and important um, development from it. Mm -hmm. That's very interesting. Are you inter looking towards expanding this beyond Kea at all to other islands? Is it something you think you can replicate within Greece or that people could replicate abroad? Now that there's it's more. It's extremely repli replicatable. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah that one. Anyway, it's, it, it has all the potential for that. I already um, access acorns. I buy acorns from people um, in Western Greece, on Nisinos Island, mm -hmm. um, Naxos Island, Kea, um, and a little bit in Edia. I bought some acorns. So that's part that that's part of what's happened is that it started to as as awareness has expanded. Um, I've been able to kind of franchise where I am able mm -hmm. to help farmers um, make money from their acorns. I'm very interested going forward in working with schools, mm -hmm. um, do some workshops mm -hmm. with kids. I love working with kids. I've been doing a lot of that on camp, but it's limited. They have to come to me right. across a body of water. So I'll be, I'm, uh, I'm building a house right now above Labrio. Oh, wow. And so I'll be half one foot in Atiki and one foot in Kea for in a, in a, in about a year from now. That's Amazing. exciting. And yeah, that's kind of my, my love to, not I'd love to, I'm starting to get involved in schools and in planting oaks. Okay. Which is something I've never been involved with mm -hmm. at all. But that's kind of what I want to work with syllables and schools to, to be more aware of oaks and uh, and how they can plant and help them. Mm, that's beautiful. That's really oh, great. exciting. Yeah, I hope we can all come visit and plant yeah. some trees yeah. with you soon. Right. Yeah. One in October, I continue to have this volunteer pro program in October, so people come from all over the world. Mm. We'll see with COVID what happens this year. Right. And the last weekend of October is the Acorn Festival, and oh my so God. we we. 
we uh, and that's kind of a big party that we give for the island and it's all wow. centric and wow. lots of games for kids and it's really been a that's been a big game changer amazing well. so exciting wow it's been so fun yeah, yeah. <laughs> definitely have to keep an eye on on my calendar <laughs> yeah we all furiously write the note down yeah and so it's the, a beautiful time of year in Greece. Yes. It's a beautiful time everywhere, October, but it's really beautiful in Greece. It's amazing. Um, so looking past oak trees, uh, Maria, what uh, what role do herbs play in Greek mythology and legend? Uh, and also, if you want to segue a little bit into how is Greek herbalism different? How What about it sets it apart from other traditions? Yeah, so... Greek herbalism has stretched since the beginning of ancient Greek civilization, as far as we know. And the ancient Greeks uh, thought that the gods were the first herbalists Mm -hmm. because they controlled everything in nature. So Zeus, as the god of the gods, he was also associated with thunder and lightning Mm -hmm. um, and then the oak tree. And then his daughter, Athena, who is the goddess of um, strategy and war, she's um, associated with um, wisdom and um, Aphrodite, her sister, is associated with love and beauty. And she's um, the plant associated with her roses and Mm. myrtle and oregano. So, and Athena, sorry to track back, Athena was associated with the olive tree. Mm -hmm. Um, So there's a lot of stories about plants and their origin story weave into the myths. Mm. So when I was learning about mythology, the plants were secondary. We didn't really focus on them because it was just a class about myths. But now as an herbalist, I'm like, oh, well, I want to know more about the plant and the role that it had in the in the myth and then in uh daily life and in sacred rituals and temples and ceremonies so the um the myths were what started um um the how the ancient greeks um related to the natural world and then um after several centuries until about the fourth century the philosophers started looking scientifically at nature and health. So we have Socrates, Plato, Aristotle over a couple hundred years asking these questions like, well, I don't think you're sick because the gods were mad at you and you did something wrong or they were just being revengeful. I think you're sick because of your environment and something that you did or Mm, a bacteria. So there started to be a shift um, around that time and people were like, how can you say that about the gods? Mm-hmm. Like, that's sacrilegious. And uh, so it took some time uh, to shift, but that's around the same time that the theory of the four humors mm-hmm. uh, came. And the four mm-hmm. humors are um, a theory about these liquids in our bodies that when they're not in balance, they cause illness. Mm-hmm. So blood, phlegm, yellow bile, and black bile. Right. And, um, yeah, and uh, that's kind of when the shift happened, um, and then um, mythology kind of, the practice of some of those traditions started to die off um, eventually. Do you think that the Greek approach um, still kind of 
has little vestiges of that humoral diagnostic pattern, would you say? Sometimes, like, how Greek healers think about things? Today, I think the practice in Greece has pretty much, um, it's not quite there anymore. Mm, right. um, however, um, there are schools, so Unami Tib, the practice of Unami Tib um, is actually um, Greek medicine based mm. on the four humors, which is still practiced in some countries. Um, it's like also called Arabic medicine. Mm. Um, there's universities in India that teach about mm. Unani wow. medicine. So it's definitely well and alive in other parts of the world. Uh, in Greece, I am not familiar with seeing that yeah. Um, yeah, so much. Interesting. Um, and something that's similar to Unami Tib medicine is the Ayurveda. I was just going to say, this sounds very similar. Yeah, there's always this practice, ancient practice. Yeah. Exactly. So um, hot and cold, right. um, temp, different temperaments. Right, or Chinese um, medicine, too. Yeah, yeah, so there's definitely some similarities with that. Marcy, I'm actually just wondering if you have worked with any herbalists in Greece, because I don't know anything really about that culture uh, in Greece, but you've been there for a really long time. So just yeah. curious little segue. Well, I yeah. haven't. I yeah. haven't. Um, the closest I've come to that is uh, there was a man who came down from Switzerland who was an herbalist, uh, and he was telling me that um, it's the many companies in your Europe, Northern Europe, come and access, access their herbs in Greece. Mm-hmm. Because consider them superior and higher in quantity and content in whatever, you know, quality, yeah. whatever they're looking for. I, apparently that has something to do with the last ice age. It didn't make it all the way down to Greece. And so they consider some of the, what they're accessing, the herbs they're accessing to be a pure content. Wow, that's fascinating. interesting. That's all I've really, the only experience I've really had with herbalistic. That's amazing. Can you speak a little to just the nutritive qualities of the oak meal? Because we didn't really get to get into that yet. Why why oak trees? Acorns are Uh gluten-free and they're packed with antioxidants, uh, polyphenols. And um, polyphenols um, are good at scavenging and seeking out sick cells and eating them. Mm eliminating them and um, they also are quite high in um, potassium and magnesium and trace elements and zinc okay wow Um, they are quite high in in their fat content um they they're they're quite caloric um so they really are an amazing food because you know i'm People will often say to me, oh, you know, they're high in calorie. That's not good. But not all calories are created right, equally. Right, and right. Especially if you're a vegan, you're, you're, having, you're usually having trouble finding good calories. Totally. Right. So, right. no, they really are quite um, uh, an amazing food. And they're, because they are high in calories and high in fiber, they, um, like oats, they're very sustaining. Mm-hmm. If you, then you're not hungry for many hours afterwards. Mm-hmm. Amazing. Yeah, the minerals sound like the COVID trifecta. It's like zinc, magnesium, <laughs> like we need. I have COVID now. I got COVID. I was one of the very, very, very first people in Greece oh to get COVID God. in January Oh my God, what a distinction. And I'm glad to hear you recovered. You're doing well. Patient, patient zero. Oh, <laughs> <God>. <laughs> 
my goodness. But I got over it, which is, yeah, thank God. That's good. Thank goodness. Yeah, Yeah, before you jumped on the call, we were talking to Maria a little bit. She went to Greece, and we were talking about the Greek attitude towards COVID a bit or how it felt different from here and there, and because we're all dreaming to be anywhere but here, but... The Greeks have done an amazing job. Yeah, they've really, they've really flattened the curve every time, every chance they've had. Mm-hmm. It's been, it's been, yeah. Again, I'm, I'm such a proud Greek. <laughs> you <laughs> no, should they, be. They, they've been really informative, and people have have followed the rules. And yeah, it's been a really. It, I got it. I got the illness before it was recognized to be in Greece. I was at an international food exhibition. Wow. Oh, um, yeah. I guess that'll do it. Um, yeah. That was a super spreader. <laughs> that'll yeah. do it. Yeah, no more of those for me. Uh, that was the pre-COVID world. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, it's been, it's been really a pleasure to see how Greece has handled it. Have either of you, um, I'm just wondering, uh, living there for so long, Marcy, and then also being technically a native Greek person, Maria. I mean, what are like the, what are the little folk remedies that people in Greece turn to when they, not necessarily COVID, but when they're not feeling great? Like what are some of the things that like the grandmas reach for? I, I can't, I would never go anywhere without my bottle of St. John's Wort oil. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. For that external? is incredible. At using for, it externally? For skin things, you know, cuts, burns, uh-huh. abrasions. Deep contusions, right. ear aches, right. you know, anything, right. acne. Right. <laughs> totally <laughs> amazing. Anything. Amazing. What about you, Maria? That's nice. Um, I love um, drinking Sai Tuvunu, which is mountain tea. Nice. Mm. And it's just such a nice tea when you're starting to feel sick. It's high in um, antioxidants. It's just it's kind of similar to sage. Okay. Um, had it um it's so but good. it's just a, like a beautiful plant um, whenever i come back I, I bring big bushels of mountain tea because it looks cool and it smells good so but i don't really know anything about yeah, it what plant family is it because i'm always a little bit confused is it a mint technically um i think it's a mint technically yeah um beautiful i have you've seen them you've seen it right yeah you know, yeah it doesn't right. look like mint that grows here that's for sure no um it is in the cedaridis family which is um or the genus cedaridis which means um a, a, it, there's a couple different meanings but of that which has iron or he who has iron um because it's strengthening to the body Mm. Um, and it's good for people who have anemia or, um, want to get pregnant. That's interesting. Or, um, uh, just fighting a cold or you're like right. getting a cold or something like right. of those things. So right. it's just a very, um, it's one of those catch all herbs. That's interesting. Cool. Yeah. So I know that you were in touch with this herb farm in Greece, which, uh, was really cool. And it just seems like there's... There's like a movement globally now happening that you don't think about it when you're in your little bubble, especially like in the Hudson Valley here, we have such like a robust agricultural scene, but there's clearly this movement globally happening where there's herb farmers saying, my herbs are grown here, they're better. And then also these these community driven agroforestry projects that are making people realize how important their ecosystems are. So it's just, it's just really inspiring. I want you both to know that. Um, <laughs> but if either of you want to talk about that at all, just like this kind of global consciousness that's waking up right now around why local and why 
you know, carbon sequestering crops, why low input crops are so important. <laughs> yeah, so when I went to Greece for, in October, I reached out, I did some research on who were um, different herbal companies, and um, I was surprised to find there are quite a number of ones that have popped up recently, um, which makes me feel so happy because it's like, oh, finally, like herbs in Greece are, mm. you know, mm. becoming a thing. Um, and there are species that only grow in Greece. Mm -hmm. Um, there's a species of oregano called Greek oregano. Um, it's a subspecies of um, the, the regular Latin right. botanical name, mm -hmm. um, but it's higher in um, it's a, has a higher medicinal uh, quality right. that it's just and there's a Greek thyme, mm -hmm. um, Cretan dittany only grows in Crete. Um, so there's just like these really amazing plants that grow in Greece that are we're starting to talk about more and more now. Mm -hmm. um, and another cool thing that's happening, there is a conference, an online conference next month, the first conference on traditional Greek folk medicine, wow. um, which I heard about and I reached out to them. So I wrote an article for that conference. Um, Marcy, I'll send you the link too, because that might be something that you'd be interested in. That sounds in. great. Yeah, we'd love really to share that. Yeah, we'll put that in our sub stack yeah. for sure. That's amazing. Yeah. Um, so there's definitely, I think, um, a trend now in Greece to celebrate the mm -hmm. things that are in the Greece. natural instead of just importing everything. Instead of yeah. just saying like, oh, come to Greece and be a tourist, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and heal. Come to Greece and meet these herbs that have been around for thousands of years. Right. Sure, right. totally. Right. Yeah, there's no yeah. question. Our um, the South Aegean um, <clears throat> uh, Chamber of Commerce has been really, really supportive of, of exactly what you just said, sort of attracting people to Greece for the food and the herbs and and the pro, and the local products more as much as, you know, for the touristy and mm. the bars and the discos right. and stuff. <laughs> discos. Which oh is pretty God. good. I think there is a much more of a general understanding now of the quality of the food and the herbs uh, in Greece by, by people all over the world. Right, Amazing. and as these remedies become less alternative and more mainstreamed, right. I think there's a greater right. appreciation globally. Yeah, and I think yeah. the word complementary because right. it's less threatening right. to people. You're right. No, that's <laughs> I, so I, true. You know, I'm, I, I think that yeah, it's people need to understand that they can be they can use herbs as well as Western right. medicine. It doesn't have to be one or the other. Absolutely. That's that's what we're preaching here. <laughs> um, Maria, do you have any, any specific questions you want to ask? I do want to just share a tidbit about why I love oak trees and this project. Mm -hmm. um, and I did some research that I wrote about in my course on ancient Greek herbal medicine. Um, there is a sacred uh, sanctuary in northwestern Greece in um, a town called Dodona, which is, I think, just rubble at this point um, from all the ancient uh, temples and um, ancient buildings that they had in this town. And this was the one of the first places of worship for Zeus. And it was because there was an ancient oak grove there. And people would go to this sacred um, sanctuary with their, um, you know, their health issues or asking about love or money, um, just anything that's human, all the issues that we still have today. 
Um, and they used the oak trees as um, the priestesses used the sounds of the oak trees to um, to to um, um, they translated the messages to, to for what Zeus was trying to say to mm. the people. Meeting. Mm. Um, so when the oak trees, the leaves were rustling, they interpreted that wow. as a message. They hung um, uh, like wind chimes from the branches. So anytime the chimes wow. made sounds, they anytime the acorns dropped from the trees, they had these big bronze cauldrons. Wow. So the acorns would ping in these cauldrons. Um, Ancient the ASMR. So it was just a really cool uh, visual yeah. to have like all these sounds and movements totally. and then these priestesses saying, this is what Zeus is prophesizing for your problem wow. um, or your, you know, what you came to ask. It's mm, amazing. So, um, I don't know, Marcy, is there anything that you've heard from maybe the older generations on how the trees have been used um, in mythology or... Well, um, first, just to go back to that uh, about Lona, I um, I actually put a quote by Plato about that in uh, in the first pages of my book about oh. eating acorns. Wow. Oh, okay. <laughs> and the quote is, um, they used to say, my friend, that the words of the oak in the holy place of Zeus at Dolvona were the first were the first prophetic utterance utterances wow. so basically the oak was the first to to yeah to speak uh, yeah yeah uh plato in um, amazing in uh in phaedrus so um yeah here on kea you know it's not so much it's mm. a it's a very small um sparsely populated community and they've been subsistent farmers, basically, until just the last mm -hmm. generation. Very, very, you know, quite poor and quite cut off from, um, despite the fact that it's so close to the mainland, right. strangely cut off, even mm -hmm. more than most islands. And so um, I haven't found um, too much evidence of... Uh, too much interest or knowledge of, of oak mythology on Kea, strangely enough. Um, but in Western Greece, more so in Missologi, I've done a couple of field trips over there. Okay. And um, that's something I'm very much interested in learning more about as well, because I too have, I've been so kind of concentrated on my, on the practical side of mine. Mm -hmm. Now I'm getting much more, um, I'm having more time and more interested in learning about the mythological and mm. the historical side Amazing. and of course the british have um their own um you know the uh, the druids had an entire belief system revolving around the oaks as well so right. it's really fascinating actually how important these trees are have been to so many different cultures the israelis as well the israelis have an entire day which was just last week uh, <laughs> devoted to oak trees wow um, i had no idea and it's celebrated yeah and indigenous so. people oh, cool. in many americas Totally. Yeah. Right. There was an appreciation yeah. in the States at some point. Absolutely. Before right. they were the States. Marcy, do you think that for all of us frozen people here in the Northeast, uh, <laughs> do you think you could just walk us through a day, just a typical day on like kind of a harvest season 
in on your farm in Greece, just so we can put ourselves there and imagine it. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Um, and let me just, before I forget, um, uh, you, you might want to connect with a woman named Daniela Dana, D-A-N-A, at the New England Acorn Cooperative. Okay. That's She's amazing. She's come over to Kea a couple times to volunteer. We've become quite good friends. I visited her, and we've done an acorn. We did an acorn festival together in New Hampshire as oh well God. a couple years ago. Wow. Yeah, it's, like, amazing. Um, Nothing like that came up on a search engine, so I thank you. Yeah, she has a Facebook page, and there is a site, uh, okay. NewEnglandAcornCooperative.com. So she's, yeah, she's trying to um, create kind of a community-led uh, initiative as well. And she's, uh, she, she's a park ranger. She's my age. She's 50, uh, early 50, she's a little bit younger than I am. And she was a park ranger, horseback mm, park wow. ranger. So her idea is to arrange with the parks in the mm. Northeast to, uh, because they collect the acorns Incredible. and throw them away. Wow. And so she's, she's working to try to um, help people also to bring in, a, to be able to process their own acorns. So she's collecting Amazing. machinery and trying to make this cooperative. Um, my typical gathering day, we start, we don't start too early. We <laughs> try to of the driveway at nine because you know it's volunteers i don't want it to be too painful <laughs> but we have a big breakfast spread and then we get out at about nine and um i try to keep a couple steps ahead of the volunteers as far as knowing where we're going every day mm -hmm. uh, it's really it's it's a there's some luck involved because not every year is the same right um some years we have really abundant acorn crops some years the trees uh, drop about 30% of what they normally well, would, and mm -hmm. then some years not at all. Right, massive. So right. we kind of play it at the last minute. At In, in the end of August, I, I start to form the volunteer group, even though people contact me throughout the year, wow. just so I have a chance to look at the crop. And uh -huh. then we go out, and we net the trees like you do when you're picking olives, mm -hmm. and we get up in them. We usually have a couple guys uh, or, you know, girls, whatever, but younger <laughs> people go up to the trees and beat the acorns down. Wow. And then some of us less agile, older people are down the bottom, um, get, uh, separating them from the leaves. And, you know, we have a break for lunch. We don't, we don't, you know, we don't work so hard that we're so exhausted, but we try <laughs> to get back to the farm around 3.30 and we dump the bags out onto tarps so that the acorns, um, start to dry out mm -hmm. and then there's always something to do at the farm separating acorns from caps mm -hmm. uh, and um there are several steps in um in the first weeks when the acorns come in in order to ensure that they don't get moldy and mm -hmm. they start to dry out properly um and then we um usually have some free time the volunteers usually have some free time and October is still swimming weather, so that's really good. Mm. They, we, I'm 80 uh, meters from the beach as well. Oh. <laughs> and then, um, and then, yeah, we gather for a big dinner, usually not too late, so we can get a good sleep and start all over the next day. Mm. We try to do about 25 or 30 of these days. How beautiful. So it's, it's a lot of work, yeah. but it's fun. Totally. And uh, I... I've had all kinds of different experiences. Uh, we've had 
as many as 12 or 14 volunteers at a time, wow. sometimes as few as two. It really depends on what the crop is, and then um, people come and go. Like, uh, I try to have people, I try to have sort of shifts of people coming and going mm. throughout the season mm. so that um, the people that have been with me gathering for a couple of weeks can help new people mm-hmm. on board. Yeah. Amazing. It's, uh, it's a lot of fun. Yeah. So, so if, that sounds like a lot of fun. If people want to learn more about your initiative or where they can sign up to volunteer, where should they go? Oakmeal.com. <laughs> okay. Perfect. <laughs> and, you know, people contact me throughout the year. I get as now with COVID, not so much, but right. I was getting um, an average of about three or four inquiries a week. Pretty good. Um, and it's for for only ten or twelve positions. Right. But I'm really looking out for people that have specific interests mm-hmm. in um, in acorns in in in. in Right. herbalism and you know right. just people that can learn from me and that I can learn from that we can right. learn from it's really nice that's what really happens in the volunteer right. uh, weeks is that it's a lot about sharing information totally. and networking right and yeah. you're really training this you know it's like the seed program to for people all over mm-hmm. the world to hopefully bring these practices to their own communities which is really amazing yeah that it's it is highly replicable <laughs> yeah absolutely <laughs> I got it right that time. and uh yeah I'm I'm always really um happy to talk with somebody who is uh, learned uh, enough about acorns to get as excited about them as I am totally <laughs> yeah. and Maria and where, where do we find sorry <laughs> I just want to make sure you can uh, plug s- here <laughs> say where we can find your new course on Greek herbalism oh um so it's through the Herbal Academy on their herbarium platform, but the link is on my website, uh, thegreekherbalist.com. Okay, good. Yeah, <laughs> we're very excited. Very excited. Well, I hope to see you all when you're in Greece. We do too. So do we. More than you now, Marcy. <laughs> Thank, Thank you so much. We'll keep in touch. Everybody's here.